Cloudcast Media presents from the massive studios in Raleigh, North Carolina. This is the Cloudcast with Aaron Delb and Brian Gracely, bringing you the best of cloud computing from around the world. Good morning, good evening, wherever you are. Welcome back to the Cloudcast. Actually, coming to you live from the All Things Open event here in Raleigh, North Carolina. So we've moved the massive studios. And this week we're going to do uh, a bunch of different things. It'll be uh, myself on some of them. Um, Josh Atwell is going to join us on a few of these shows uh, as a guest host for Aaron. Um, and so for this first one, we're very, very uh, excited. We're going to get a number of the speakers from the event here today to come and, and talk about their areas of expertise. And we are very lucky to have Melissa Nicewinder, who is Director of Data Services at Fidelity here uh, in, the, in the Triangle area. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you very much. So you are doing a talk uh, this afternoon called Open Data for Business. Uh, we were talking a little bit before. This is sort of a, a an area of passion for you. Give give us a little it, background. It is okay. So it's it, this is very. I'm very passionate about this subject about open data. Um, this is the first time I've been speaking about it. So completely new slides, completely new deck. Uh, but I'm very excited about this. Uh, so my background. So I I am an ex scientist, an ex real scientist. So I'm, I'm a data scientist now. Um, I have my PhD in astronomy, and, and when I was a, an astronomer, we used a lot of open data. Um, there's massive amounts. There's huge catalogs of every source in the sky. There's actually a catalog that has every source in the sky. Um, there's giant surveys with image data. Um, so I've been using open data since before I realized open data was such a thing. Um, after I, I, I left astronomy and I started working in environmental science, um, this long story, but <laughs> I, um, when I was in environmental science, it was the same thing. We used a massive amount of open data. A lot of this was government data. Some of this was data from like NGOs or nonprofits that create that created it. Um, a mainly academic government type of data. Um, <clears throat> just it's it's so incredibly valuable. Um, and then about four years ago. 2011, I heard of this thing called data science, and I was like, wow, I think I'm a data scientist. So I <laughs> left government work, and I started working at, at Fidelity. It's been fantastic. I love it. Um, so I'm at Fidelity Investments, and we, um, we also use a lot of the very same data that I was using in environmental science. We don't use astronomy data, um, but we do use like the same kind of data that we were using to map people and how they move around in the environment. Um, we use here for, for marketing purposes. And I, I realized kind of early on that they were paying massive, massive amounts of money for the exact same data that I had been using months before completely for free. Um, and so I, I, I realized that there is this whole industry about um, processing open data um, Wrapping, giving it wrapper, giving it a, a nice, pretty GUI, a wrapper, um, doing some slight transformations, and repurposing it and selling it to, to businesses. And it's a completely valid business model. I, I don't want to say that these the, that these companies are <laughs> <laughs> right. I mean, they're great companies. Um, however, in a lot of cases, I think businesses would. Are, are kind of throwing their money away in, in some cases. If you have a developer, you you have the capabilities of going out and getting this data on your own, testing it out before you actually make some sort of investment, um, buying it from a from a third party source. There is a massive amount of open data out there that basically for any business case you could think of, there's some open data out there that's somehow relevant. 
Um, and I just, my talk is going to be basically, uh, it's very broad, um, but I'm going to be talking about the types of business models um, around open data. I'm going to be talking about a couple of use cases on how a big company like a Fidelity uh, could be using them to enrich their um, enrich their models. Um, so g- give us some examples, yeah. right? So, you know, you talked about scientific data, government data about, you know, could be voting, could be whatever. But mm-hmm. you're... Fidelity's interested not only from their financial models, how do they go, uh, you know, invest in the marketplace, but also things like, you know, people's aging rates, people's, you know, demographics, where do they live, all those things about sort of your life that relates to your money uh, in various right. ways. So what, give us an example, even just in the financial services, what, what types of open data might be available that people might not readily know about? Well, I mean... I think the most obvious source that people probably do know about, I mean, is the census. So mm-hmm. all of that data about um, demographics, the population, where they live, how they're moving around, that is all from the census. But it's not, but there's so much more that the Census Bureau does. Mm-hmm. Um, like there's one survey out called the American Community Survey, and that is, that goes, it's a subsample of the population, and it goes so much deeper into people's lives, into their spending habits, into their income. So a lot of economic data that we might want to know about on on a very fine grain as well. Um, So the census does go on different regional grains down to the census tract level, which is pretty specific, um, which is a pretty specific area, um, smaller than zip codes. Um, The census also does an entire different census called the economic census. So it's tons and tons of data that they're collecting all the time. It's so much more than the decadal every 10-year census. Yeah, yeah. Okay. No, it makes sense. So, you know, as I, as I look at your at your bio and so forth, especially for the event, um, you list yourself as an as an advocate for data-driven decisions and, and applications of uh, so using scientific method to solve business problems, right? Which you know, for a lot of companies, you know, even this morning, like at Red Hat, there was a, an email that went out and said, hey, are we a data-driven company? And if people like to talk about, are we data-driven? Do we make decisions? But what does that mean when you say you're an advocate for? What do you, like, translate that into sort of, you know, business lingo for people that go, well, I, I got a quarterly number to make, or we need to improve in some way. Like, how do you how do you connect those dots? Or what does that mean you're advocating for it? Right. So, well, very tangibly, I mean, at, at Fidelity, I was... I was technically I was Fidelity's first data scientist hire. Okay. Um, and since then, I have kind of it, my role. I've, I've moved throughout different organizations. Um, I have I, I call myself an advocate partly because I have spoken a lot internally at Fidelity. I um, I've worked with a lot of different groups across the company, trying to help them develop a data science practice. Okay. Um, but more broadly, I think being data-driven just means that you have evidence. Yeah. That it's, it's no longer about kind of the old business models of like, well, I have a hunch, so I'm going to do it. No, like, stop it with your hunches. Actually, look at the data. We have data on people. So, like, very tangibly, um, like, I, so I recently did a project with a, our talent acquisition team. Okay. And they had a hunch. They thought hiring people from a specific industry – into a specific role, um, specific type of role, like a customer service role, mm-hmm. go, going from these specific types of industries, they're probably going to be better. And I'm like, 
that's fine. That's, that's great that you have that hunch. Let's test out that hunch. We have the data. I know what industries, I have the resumes. I know what industries people previously worked in. And I can tie that to their actual performance on the job and see is there some sort of correlation between you know, working in a previous industry versus customer service scores. Right. So let's let's test it out. Let's see if this is true. Yeah. So that's what I think of data driven. Okay. So yeah, and I have to imagine it's number one. You, like you said, you have the data, which means there's, there's some historical evidence in this context. Number two is I have to have a way to test that data. Right. Do it in in small chunks. Do it in big chunks. Be able to sort of look back at you know did our did our hypothesis work? All those sort of scientific method types of things. Right. And then and then explaining to people. We can do those things, right? Like computational stuff is pretty cheap these days. It's readily available. Like we can ask those questions, get those answers, and then proceed from there. Right, right. And it's it's different around the company. So so people in kind of our, our tech arm of the company, they 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 agree. You know, yeah. I don't have to do a lot of convincing. People in marketing, it's the, also that they're 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 typically they're they're numbers driven. They understand the power of of a model. Um, in in HR. It's it's hard. Yeah, it's hard. It's, it's people. It's, a it's soft people. Yeah, it is. And right. and and it does make what we do a lot more difficult because mm-hmm. we're not talking about millions of customers and trying to figure out if we can get some lift for an email campaign. It's 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 looking at an individual person and and looking at all of their experiences and seeing, you know, how can we build the best employee? How can we create the best environment for our people to thrive in? Yeah. Um, for people that, that aren't data scientists, uh, you know, you, you look out at the marketplace. There's some companies that that deliver, you know, say SaaS applications that are so unbelievably data rich, but you know, you just you just get an output from it, right? And it could be everything from you know a, a Google search or a map to your favorite fantasy football team with all this data to you know uh, you know Fidelity's online tools, whatever they might be, right? <laughs> right. Um, and then and and those sort of like hide big data and analytics and, and all this stuff. And then you've got a lot of companies in the marketplace who are out there selling you this, you can find the needle in the haystack. You can like, what's the, what's the reality? I mean, how, how mature is the technology? Where, where's the, the big gap still, or, or is it really just a lot of education? I think the market is flooded right now with a lot of people trying to give solutions, okay. trying to sell solutions. Um, most of the, a lot of the data scientist company, a lot of the data scientists practicing at companies right now, I know are, I mean, sometimes they they kind of cobble together um, from different folks, but I mean, we're using the, the the big packages, or a lot of people are just going open source and doing everything yourself. Okay. Um, because for well, okay, I think it depends on the size of the company and the maturity of their analytics group. Um, for a smaller company you don't have the manpower to develop internal solutions that are probably going to be a lot better than these kind of external things, mm-hmm. kind of the, the, the prepackaged stuff. Right. Um, the prepackaged might be good for a smaller company that don't, that can't invest in their own people. Right. Right. Yeah. You can't find the data scientist or you're in, you're in a location where you can't get them or whatever. It's yeah, Austin. exactly. So I think it was maybe five, six, seven years ago, like there was a big article in, I think it was the Harvard Business Review. It said, you know, data scientist is the sexiest job in America. Or totally. Um, <laughs> it, but, but back then, I mean, you couldn't go to an event where every board, job board was post, like we need data scientists desperate to find. Is that getting better? I mean, is it like, are we, are the kids coming up through the colleges? Are people like yourself realizing like, oh, I have the skills to be a data scientist. Like where, where is that in terms of, you know, just skill sets and numbers and stuff? I, it's, it's still... 
it's still difficult to find a data scientist. Okay. We've we've tried to hire some. It, it is still difficult, but. Um, Colleges and universities are trying to help us meet this demand, mm-hmm. and and programs like, um, well, kind of like like the Iron Yard that has a, a Python class that that's fairly um, that can be data science heavy. Um, so these these programs are trying to help us help meet the demand of data scientists, but it's it's difficult. They they, they are producing a lot of entry level data scientists, um, but. There, so you have a lot of people out there that don't have a ton of experience, mm-hmm. and a lot of you, you need the kind of a lot of data science is an art, and um, you need some experience to be able to develop that art, to develop yeah. that craft. Yeah. So there's still it's still difficult to hire the upper upper levels, um, although you know entry level it's 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 getting better. Yeah. So you know mentioned earlier like like all these parts of our lives data is sort of just there right i mean it's mm-hmm. like, like i said it could be everything from fantasy football to whatever um if like we have kids we were saying earlier you you've got kids you know my, my kids are still young enough they don't know what they want to be when they grow up and is there a path that you might recommend i mean is this a very i guess what i'm kind of wondering is it, it feels like maybe there's two paths right there's the path that says um, it's gonna be very math centric up through mm-hmm. school and, and statistics and modeling and, and all sorts of, um, do you think we'll see a point where somebody goes like, I really love, I don't know, marketing or some other aspect of life, but they go, you know, but everything tends to be data centric. Like I should have a, a minor in something. So I have some idea when I'm talking to you, what that all, like, totally. does that make sense? Do no, we, it, we see that over time? It, it makes a lot of sense. Um, definitely the core skills are math and stats development. So being able to program, I, I have been programming since I got into graduate school, even before that. Um, I'm not a real developer, mm-hmm. but you have to have that kind of skill. You have to have the technical skill. I, I and this is, I mean, it's a, it's a debate among data scientists, but I'm on the side of you have to know a fundamental programming language yeah. to work with data because you have to be able to touch it and manipulate it at its most raw form. Yeah, and is that R and Python primarily, or is it could be anything that you can figure out how to? I think R and Python are probably the best, but you know, I've been doing basically the same. I've I've been a data scientist since before there was a term mm-hmm. called data scientist, and I've worked primarily in like C plus plus and Fortran. Okay. So, so part of it's just understanding how to do some basic programming. Yeah, definitely. And then so when we hire somebody, I, like my team, we work in in Python and R. Um, however, if somebody comes in and they know Java, I know that they can pick up Python. I, I don't know. They don't have to be like the master Python uh, programmer. If they know a language, I know that they can learn another language. Yeah. That's yeah. kind of where we're at. Okay, very cool. Well, listen, I'm going to wrap this up with, with one last question. So um, you mentioned Iron Yard. Like, for folks who don't have the access maybe to a bunch of university research or whatever, like, what are the, I mean, we're here at an open conference. You know, we're talking about community. Like, oh, what are the other yes. places to, to go, I don't know, socialize with people, get access to tools, all those types of things? And that's one of, that's one of the most beautiful things about the data scientist community because there are tons, there's tons of open places to get. So, um, uh, like go online, a ton of uh, classes, um, the the massive online classes like Coursera. Um, there's a Johns Hopkins data science specialization there that you know if you have the interest and you think you're you think you want to do this, go there, do that. Um, there is tons of meetup groups, mm-hmm. and some of my friends and I joke about the 
like it seems like every month there's another specialized uh, data science or analytics meetup group. However, there is a demand for it. Right. Tons of people people are really excited about this. So you know, go to Meetup, go to Coursera. Um, you know, uh, the the one of the most beautiful things about data science right now is that people are coming to it from so many non traditional areas. Like I was an astronomer, you know, yeah. and that's how it's that's how it's been. So. Um, yeah, yeah. No, I, I know I had friends who, you know, were uh, physics PhDs and ended up getting into Wall Street or getting into yeah. even networking or I mean, just other areas because, you know, the grants weren't there for one thing, but they were for somewhere else. And, and right. uh, so excellent. Yeah. Well, listen, uh, Melissa, thank you so much for the time today. Yeah. Good luck on the on the talk, folks. Um, we'll get the things in the show notes. We'll get pointers to the talk in the show notes. But good luck on that. Great. And uh, appreciate the time today. And right. we'll have more from all things open this week. Thanks, everybody. Right. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to The Cloudcast. Please visit thecloudcast.net to find more shows, show notes, videos, and everything social media.